Hey guys, welcome back to the show. My name is Lauren and this is Liam. Hey. A big thank you to everyone watching and a big thank you especially to our live viewers. And if it's your first time here, just so you know, uh, we will be taking super chats at the end of the stream. So just stay tuned. We're going to be getting to all of your questions, comments, concerns after we finished all of our segments. Uh, we have a very fun show for you guys today. We're going to be starting mm. off talking about the new BBC show, Who Are You Calling Fat? Which actually some people have pointed out should be Whom, you, whom Are You Calling Fat? That grammatical mistake is not ours. That's all on them. Then I Don, they were British, right? Come on. Yeah, you guys invented English. You should you should know it. I'm very disappointed. Um, then Don Cherry getting fired is causing a stir in the sports world. Also, I am talking about it, even though I am not at it's, all. It's bigger than the that. sports world. I think it's fair yeah, to say. That's true. Um, then we're going to be doing a segment about how communists don't understand economics. And if you believe it or not, this is the segment I'm most fired up about. But I'm going to try to keep it within the allotted time frame because I could just rant about this for hours. I will try not to, though. And we're going to be finishing off the show with another story of LGBT indoctrination for children. Or I guess talking about it. We're not going to be indoctrinating your children. Don't worry. Uh, before we get started, though, I do have a quick message from our awesome sponsors over at Candid. So it's that time of year again. Time to share smiles and good times with friends and family. And of course, exchange gifts. And as Liam knows, I am a big fan of giving myself presents. Um, so <laughs> why not give yourself the gift of self-confidence this Christmas or holiday season? How do you do that? By having straighter, brighter teeth, of course, with help from Candid. Candid's aligners can help straighten your teeth faster than conventional, traditional wire braces. Um, also cheaper. Treatment takes just six, six months on average and costs about 65% less. An experienced orthodontist who is licensed in your state creates a custom treatment plan. They then show you a 3D preview so you can see how your teeth will look after you're done. The aligners are comfortable, invisible, and removable. There's no hassle of going to an orthodontist office. Everything can be done from the comfort of your home. Candid will ship everything you need, including, you know, the little trays to get the impressions of your teeth. So in the season of giving, Candid is also donating $25 with each aligner purchased to Smile Train, who brings safe, 100% free cleft lip and palate treatment to children around the globe, which is so amazing. Um, we are going to be starting our own candid treatment plans very soon in preparation for That's right. wedding. And I'm very excited about that. So give yourself the gift of candid. Go to candidco.com slash Lauren and use code Lauren to get $75 off. That's candidco.com slash Lauren. Code Lauren for $75 off. That's a lot of saving, guys. Candidco.com slash Lauren. Code Lauren. Okay, so... It's been a while since we did a show on body, or did a segment at least on body positivity. I feel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it can never it's never be too long while. for that, but you know. <laughs> um, so, and actually, time, this show was sent to us by one of our viewers, Daniel. So thank, thank you, you Daniel, right. um, for a watching the show and b sending this over. I do appreciate the story tip, and I love when you guys send stuff our way. It helps us maybe keep track of stories we wouldn't otherwise hear about and lets us know what you're interested or passionate about hearing about. So love that. Now, the BBC recently premiered a new show called Who Are You Calling Fat? Um, mm -hmm. We've done an entire show about the the joy and pleasure that is the BBC. They're they are not putting out as as good content as I think they used to. They're like a they're radical really... left-wing propaganda wing at this point, right? That's what I was tiptoeing around, but yes, let's come right out and say it. No, they are like all in on the social justice yep. stuff. Um, so this show, Who Are You Calling Fat? From what I can tell, it seems like a Big Brother reality TV style show it's unscripted there's a bunch of people living in this house together while being filmed but unlike 
Big Brother. The show is about an even bigger issue. But um, no, okay. Uh, obesity. So all the people who the participants in this show are all overweight, and it's about. I guess, them living their lives, talking about their struggles, their issues. It's supposed to examine cultural attitudes toward fat bodies, and we have a bit of the trailer here. I'm totally unconfident with my body. In a unique experiment, nine people living with obesity. This is not about health, it's fear-mongering. Explore a debate that divides the nation. People would say they brought that upon themselves. We are standing for self-love. So would you agree that fat people are a burden on the NHS? Yeah, I would. Who are you calling fat? So, I mean, I'm not against the concept of the show necessarily. I mean, I'm not huge into reality TV style shows like this, but no. I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> you, know, you don't like any TV though, so that's like not. But I'm fair. right. That's the thing. No, it is fair. It is completely fair. I have the correct opinion in this matter, <laughs> and I want to say in that video right there, they had like a whole bunch of different you know clips they inserted in there, and one of them I noticed was them helping a gentleman who had a prosthetic leg. Mm -hmm. Now we can't say it for certain. I only saw a few seconds of video, but it's if, diabetes. If that is. You've lost a leg due to diabetes. No, apparently I was reading about the show. That is what happened. Oh, okay. So, it's not so an it actually yeah, is. It so, yeah, okay, that's so, what happened. I mean, it's a safe assumption to make, frankly, unfortunately. But you're arguing that obesity is not somehow bad for your health, and the dude literally lost a leg. Like at this correlation point, does not equal causation. That's, that's the cause. That, yeah, yeah, that's the. That's it's what like, they'll say. Man, all right, you got some human ideas, I guess, about <laughs> what health is. But yeah, that's that's sick because the guy. This guy actually lost his leg and he's buying into this. It's like, dude, all right, just get out the hacksaw. Give us the other one too while you're at it, right? Yeah, well, I mean, well, the thing that I think should be especially be concerning considering this is in the UK is that they have NHS, right? Yeah. They have national healthcare system. So this is actually costing British taxpayers, right? And I mean, the United States has a bigger obesity problem than, than the UK. And I think what people don't really talk about is they often talk about, oh, the, the US doesn't have that great healthcare outcomes when it comes to certain things, uh, you'll notice the, the things the U.S. aren't as high on the list for like, oh, you're going to be fine for, often have to do with obesity. So it's like, are we going to talk about maybe just people not living as healthy lifestyles, perhaps contributing to healthcare outcomes, or are we just going to pretend like that's not a thing? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, I think a lot of what the show's message is, is this is not any of your business, but I mean, it kind of, it kind of is when it comes to like actually paying for yeah, the diabetes. No, I completely agree. Um, but so, I mean, I'm not against a show about obesity, like conceptually. Uh, I think it's good for skinny people to maybe have a better understanding of what it's like to be obese, like especially in regard to bullying, which I know I, from the clips I've seen they do talk about on the show. I think it wouldn't hurt some people, especially some people online, to be a little bit more empathetic when it comes to, you know, not calling people land whale or just, yeah. you know just like names like that which don't really motivate people to to lose weight and you know i i also would I like, you got to read the room too i have heard from fat people that fat shaming works to some degree i'm not advocating you do it <laughs> but you know sometimes if you've got a buddy that that just needs a nudge sometimes you gotta say hey bro it's time to hit the gym well but that, mm -hmm. i wouldn't say that's fat shaming though i would say that's like encouragement they would probably yes. say it's fat shaming though oh, but they i would. wouldn't oh they absolutely would call that yeah. fat shaming so. but i mean like if, if, if we're also going to talk about obesity let's take a science approach let's have which they do have documentaries like that where they talk about like okay let's talk about metabolism how is it different for different people food groups like I, i'm not against shows about obesity is, is what i'm trying to say yeah. and i also think it would be good for more people to be aware of what exactly a weight loss journey can look like how it's challenging how it needs to involve a lifestyle change like on all of that 
That's not what this show is about, though, right? Like, this is not at all what this show is about. From anything I've seen, it, it focuses more on the, like, body positivity side of things. Um, and, like, I don't think fat people should hate themselves. I don't think fat people should be bullied. I see being overweight a lot like I see smoking. Like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to hate smokers. I'm not going to call them names. But if possible, I would try to discourage them from smoking and, you know, lead, lead a healthier lifestyle. Same way I, I see being overweight. You know what sucks? If you stop smoking, you're likely to get fat. Really? Yeah. It's a, it's a common thing. You gain a lot of weight when you stop mm. smoking. So, Actually, wait. I've uh, heard from ballerinas. This is Don't do this, guys. I'm not advocating this. But I've heard from ballerinas that a good way to stay skinny is to take up smoking. Or incidentally, cocaine. But like, don't well, do either of these things. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a lot of things good. you can... Yeah. yeah. Smoking is... Yeah. Appetite suppressant. There's a lot to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, this focuses on self-love, body positivity. I do think if we're so focused on overweight people feeling self-confident and loving their bodies, maybe we should be trying to encourage them to lose weight instead of like changing our right. entire society's concept of what it is to be a a attractive. Listen, I mean, they know. Everybody knows. I don't care how many people are are like, wow, I feel beautiful today. It's like, no, you, you don't actually. Yeah. You are convincing yourself maybe in the moment, but you really know. And that's, and that, it, that's and what it's it is. And it's sad you know? because like I think self-love should be like an action, not just a feeling. And if you – like the, the times that I feel best about myself physically are the times I've been working out or eating right. And I think that, yeah. you know, a lot of the way they're feeling, it's also, you know, it's it's – because their their body is not in a good place just physically, yes, but they yeah. the show involves a very I'm gonna say jarring stunt in order to promote this concept of self love body positivity. Um, viewer discretion is advised if you're squeamish. You're about to see a lot of flesh. We have a clip of what I mean. We are standing for self love, and if you agree with our message that you should love your body and accept who you are, then we invite you to come and draw a heart on our body. A lot of people don't care, and we internalize it a lot. Yeah, but to be fair, you could be really right. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, I'm so proud of you. You're so awesome. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, that clip did bum me out. Like it did give me feels. It made me sympathize with them because oh, I really? think as well, I think as a woman, like being a girl, there is something in I think every woman that wants to be considered beautiful or told that she's beautiful. Sure. So stop and eating have the, so much. The person mean it. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's I think <laughs> like... one one aspect, but it's like I just feel bad for these women because I think they're being fed a lie that, that the, yeah. they're being fed many things, but they're, they're being <laughs> fed a lie that the problem is society. Their problem is their own attitude where I think if they were to just, you know, make some lifestyle changes, they would feel better about themselves health wise. And it's I just feel like ultimately this body positivity movement is is hurting these people. Yeah, well, it's to me, it's it. This is hedonism completely unhinged. Like yeah. you know, they're not even bothering to like you know what the Romans did when they would throw up after the first yeah, meal. coming more, down. they're just keeping it down, and they want to be told that they look good for it too. And to me, it's like, listen, no, you don't, and we're not going to change our whole society around that. And, and I'm really sorry that you're you're down this path and you're you're trying to figure it out. I guess, and and I understand that. I understand what you're saying. They're being fed a lie, and mm -hmm. clearly they have room for that too, but. You know, you can't, 
Eat your cake and have it too. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, as I, I know some people might think that we're being very harsh on the show, um, from what I've seen, the reaction to it overall has not been positive. I mean, on I, the, the YouTube channel where all of these clips have been posted and like the social yeah. media shares, it's almost universally negative. Well, it should from be what that I've way. These... People are accusing it of glorifying obesity. Yeah, well, these things, we've seen it from all kind of left-wing ideas before. They start off as fringe, you know, small percentages of people actually agree. And they work their way into mainstream correct opinion, even if they're not actually the majority of people that hold that view. Mm -hmm. So it's good. I think that we have to stick to our guns and say, listen, this isn't healthy. Um, we, I mean, like you said, we shouldn't be bullying them. We should be trying to make these people more healthy. It's better for everybody that way. It's, yeah. There's nothing else to And I it. think what's especially concerning about the whole it starts off with fringe then becomes mainstream is the aspect of science denialism that is part of this. Because yeah. these people, this one person in particular on the show is apparently one of those people who thinks the idea that being overweight is inherently unhealthy is a farce. <sighs> Not true. Um, we have an article, a segments of an article here from the New Statesman that talks about it. So as this author writes, quote, Victoria is a body acceptance coach. I did not know that was a job. Sounds pretty easy. With a taste for extreme lipstick and a strong line in sunglasses. The science on obesity is, in her view, entirely bogus. Try to suggest to her, say, that there is a causal link between excess weight and type 2 diabetes, and she will stick out her bottom lip and shake her head furiously. She may even leave the room. Jack, a lorry driver, which is British for truck, who'd sent his type 2 diabetes into remission by losing weight, soon had Victoria rolling her eyes. His antics in the gym where he lifted dumbbells the size of KFC buckets were to her just a craven performance enacted to make himself seem good. Babs, a civil servant whose disordered eating was making her deeply unhappy as well as overweight, was just another victim, according to Victoria, of internalized fat phobia. As for Dell, a sales manager who was delighted to have lost 10 stone following bariatric surgery, he was beyond the pale. The B word never crosses Victoria's shiny mauve lips. She prefers the term stomach amputation. So it's like this kind of person specifically, and I'm not going to attribute her views to maybe the other participants on the show because it's like, I'm not watching this. Maybe they're not all like that. It seems like some of them actually are making efforts to lead a healthier lifestyle. Good for them because it's hard to make those changes and have them stick. She's dangerous for people, right? She's actively encouraging people to be unhealthy and that's not a good thing. And I think if we actually want to help people who have, I guess, problems with being overweight, we need to talk about more how this is actually an eating disorder for some people. Like we, we always talk yeah. about how anorexia is an eating disorder. I don't think we talk enough about how for some people, especially if you're morbidly obese, like the eating, it's a symptom of something else. Like, are you using it to cope? Are you addicted to food? Like, what is it? And this is something that this author talks about as well. She says, the amateur shrink in me was fascinated by the schism between those in the body positivity camp and everyone else. After a while, their evangelism came to seem to me, as it did to their housemates, as a defense mechanism. When Victoria lay on her bed sullenly eating Pringles, the act struck me as mechanical, not intuitive. And then there was Bab's sad revelation that, following her late-night food binges, she folds the wrappers of her crisps and chocolate bars again and again until they are about the size of a Murray Mint, after which she encases them in sellotape. It was hard not to see this as a metaphor. Some part of Babs, who does not like to look at herself in a full-length mirror, longs for invisibility. So I think this, like these are actually really useful revelations that sure. are, I think, could be applied to a lot of people who are struggling with being overweight. I'm someone who, to be quite frank, probably doesn't 
deserve to be the the weight that no. I am considering what I no. eat. <laughs> she out eats me probably. Yeah, like, and you know. so it, this is interesting to me, kind of like the the way that some people like I stress eat big time, and I know that's not something good, and it is a coping mechanism. So like, let's talk about this more rather than just call me beautiful because I weigh 300 pounds. Like, how is that helping anybody? Absolutely. I mean, I will say that that the, towards the end of that article, I thought like these kind of like Freudian connections got a little bit, <laughs> a little bit out there for me. But there is something like if you don't want to look at yourself in a full length mirror, but you want people to think you're beautiful, like this, this is about- There's a disconnect there. It's not about society. It's about, you can't even look at yourself. You can't come to terms with that, Yeah. right? And, and yes, I mean, I, I want to say that you shouldn't hate the way you look, but- at the same time, well, th- th- there's, like, a, there's a reason why you're feeling yeah. that way. I think you can be unhappy with your appearance, but you shouldn't translate that into hating yourself. No, right? Because not, you're, right. the way you look is not a reflection of who you are as a person. And that's certainly not going to help you become more healthy. Exactly. So. But I, I, you know, I think it's totally fine to say, hey, I'm not happy with what I see in the mirror. I want to do better. That I think is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and just so you guys know, it's not just us picking on the show. We have some posts here um, just from people's social media gauging the general reaction to the show that I, some of them I think are, are pretty telling. This person says, please, please, if you are obese, ignore the lady. I'm assuming they're referring to this Victoria on who are you calling fat who is denying the science because she is just plain wrong. It's not about fat shaming. It's about preventative medicine public health, reducing disease burden, and improving quality of life. Fact. Amen. Dr. Alex Gates. This person says, there's a whole world of difference between being a body positive and being irresponsible with your own health. Everyone should love their body, but they need to be real about their long-term health and well-being. And that's another thing. I think, you know, if someone wants to make the conscious decision, hey, I know this isn't healthy for me, but I'm okay with that. That's one thing. It's another thing to mislead people. Well, if you pay your own bills too. Yeah, yeah you pay sure. your own bills too. But it's like, it's another thing to mislead someone into thinking, this is totally fine. I'm not hurting yeah. myself at all. That's irresponsible. Uh, Dave Quigley says, that body positivity lady can feel as happy in her body as she wants, but the science is not bogus. Obesity has negative health effects. How is this a controver- How is this a thing that needs to be said? We're regressing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Honestly, we uh, are regressing as a society. Are, and then there were also people who were sharing their weight loss stories uh, yeah. uh, in response to the show, which I thought was amazing. This person says, I lost seven stone in a year. No bariatric surgery. Don't know why this guy is patting himself on the back. Just determination and no self-deluding in my case. There is no good side to being fat. I've seen both sides. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's something that... I, maybe, seven stone is like a lot of weight, by the way. Yeah, I'm like, not even sure I think what a, I think a stone is like 13 pounds, I want to say. It, yeah, it's I think like, it's a lot, but... I don't think we appreciate enough the fact that people who lose weight are sometimes able to put it off. But at the same time, just even that congratulating someone on a weight loss, that in and of itself, I think is fat phobic, according to this new being fat. It is. Yeah. yeah, So I I don't know what we're going to do health wise in the next 10 to 20 years when we're all so fat. And how are we going to pay for all of our like our little wheelchair things that wheel us around? We're going to have traffic like in Wally, the streets. Right? Yeah, it's going to yeah. be like Wally. Yeah. Not a good future. All right. So our next story. Um, but before we, it's going to be Don Cherry. Before we get into that, though, um, we have a new sponsor, which is super exciting. They're a brand that we've heard about for a while. We're so happy we get to work with them now. Black Rifle Coffee Company. Guys, I need to tell you about them. They're veteran-owned and operated premium small batch to roast order. Small to Wow. Small batch roast to order coffee company for people who love America. They import only the highest quality beans from around the world and always roast to order their coffees for you after you place 
your order so they can ensure that you get the freshest coffee possible. They develop their explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus they learned as military members serving this great country. All Black Rifle Coffee Company blends are available in whole bean and ground varieties, and they also have many roasts available for purchase in single-serve coffee rounds. So those are like the K-Cups. Um, guys, the odds are you're already buying coffee, right? Most of you, you have some coffee in your house or hot chocolate, which they also have if you're, you have a sweet tooth like me. That's something that appeals. Um, so why not buy from them, right? These are purchases you probably make all the time in your grocery store. Why not buy from a com company who supports veterans, who is committed to hiring veterans, who supports active duty military personnel? They send them their product all the time and who just in general shares your values. The best way to enjoy Black Rifle Coffee is with Black Rifle Coffee Club. You choose the amount and the blends that you crave and they offer it to you at a special discounted price, shipped free directly to your home or office every single month. It's a subscription service and the added convenience allows you to keep working hard, making America the land of the free and the home of the brave so you'll never have to rush to the store again because you're out of coffee. So wake up to America's coffee by going to blackriflecoffee.com slash Lauren. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Lauren. Enter the discount code Lauren to receive 20% off your first order of any coffee products, including Black Rifle Coffee Club. All right, Don Cherry. Mm -hmm. I'm not a sports person, but we we need to talk about Don Cherry, right? Absolutely. Um, Liam, you yes. are more into the hockey than I am, so why don't you explain for anyone who maybe isn't familiar with him who Don Cherry is? I'm trying to think of like an American football commentator that would be kind of akin to Cherry. I don't know. Don Cherry is by far the most famous hockey commentator right now, I would say. And so he might be like a Madden or something like that. I'm not that big into football. Uh, don't, don't kill me. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been around forever. Don Cherry was an NHL coach. He coached all kinds of professional teams before the NHL. Um, but he was a coach uh, famously for the Boston Bruins. I did not um, know he was previously a coach. That is yeah. That, that's where it comes from. But he's been, he's yeah. been in broadcast forever now. He's, you'll see him every week. They call him grapes, but um Every week he has like a different suit on, like these yeah. flashy, crazy, mostly hideously ugly suits. Um, but um, he is like the most Canadian entity you can imagine. This yeah. guy is incestually, like incestuously Canadian and, and well, just a pure patriot. Really. The, the funny thing is that I do not watch sports. I don't think I've ever of my own volition seen a sports thing on TV and thought, yeah. That's for me. But with that being said, even I know who Don Cherry is, which should tell you something about how famous he is. So that's Don Cherry. Uh, this past Monday in Canada was Remembrance Day, similar to, I guess, American Veterans Day. And for anyone who's not familiar with how it works in Canada, in Canada on Remembrance Day, a lot of people wear red poppies. Um, and I think that comes from casualties from World War II are buried. A lot of them are buried in this place called Flanders Fields. There's a poem about it. And poppies grow on the grave so in canada at least maybe the uk i'm not even sure poppies have kind of become a yeah, symbol uh, of veterans and so now every year uh, remembrance day you see poppies everywhere people wear them um companies you know put them on advertising it's just it, it's a thing it's almost like one of those ribbons what the symbols come to represent so on monday remembrance day uh, don cherry made these comments on air about the holiday and wearing poppies we have a clip of it uh, uh, very few people wear uh, a poppy. Downtown Toronto, forget it, downtown Toronto, nobody wears a poppy. Now, you go to the small cities, and you know, you, you know those, the rows on rows, 
You people love, you, you, they come here, whatever it is, you love our way of life, you love our milk and honey, at least you can pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that. These guys pay for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys paid the, uh, the biggest price. So that was what he said, and just a quick correction before we move on. I said World War II, it's World War I uh, that the poppy comes from. Yeah. Um, but I just want to say, I don't actually agree with what Don Cherry said here in some ways. Um, no. I think that the poppy is a symbol of gratitude toward veterans, but I'm going to push back on the idea that to honor veterans, you have to wear the poppy. Um, because that's like the whole poppy thing. It's a symbol of the gratitude, but it's not the only way to embody it. No, I, I agree. Um, so I, I wouldn't look at someone who's not wearing a poppy and think you're not respecting Remembrance Day or anything uh, mm. more enough. So I'm, I'm the kind I mean, of person... I mean, they give them away for free everywhere. Like, literally everywhere here I did in not see anyone giving every, away free poppies. Every single... I don't leave the house very much, but still, I yeah, did not I'm see I'm anywhere. telling you, like, they're, they're, they're at every single counter. But still, if you're not you someone who's into symbols or tokens, yeah. who's to say that you didn't give money but just don't want to wear the poppy? Yeah, there are exceptions to that. But and I know you're playing the devil's advocate to some degree. No, but, I just I'm, be, I'm not even be... I'm not even playing devil's advocate. I don't put up like I don't like Christmas trees. I don't wave flags. I am not a symbolic or sentimental person. But that doesn't mean that I don't stand behind the thing. So I'm going to push right, back on you're Don Cherry's by far the exception, not the rule. Most I don't of these think people, so. yes. I don't know. Nope. Like I, I think if you were to go up to someone who's not wearing a poppy and say. Do you support veterans? Like, even have you donated anything? Because a lot of stores or restaurants, they'll say you can give a little bit extra during that month and it'll go towards some veterans' cause. Do you want to do that? I'm sure a lot of people would say I'm yes. I'm sure there's very – the Venn diagram of people who support veterans and people who don't wear the poppy, very few Okay, we're good. Especially, but that's like saying if you don't fly a flag on the 4th of July, you don't love America. No, and I, I agree. Not all cases are that are, are true. Yes. But it's – like I'm saying – the, the Venn diagram has very little overlap. All right, so I'm going to disagree so. with you and Don Cherry about that. Um, but anyway, as much as I don't really agree with him all the way, what he said was not racist. <laughs> what he said no. was not xenophobic. Absolutely not. Um, and Twitter, of course, apparently disagreed with, with me on that. They did believe it was xenophobic. It was racist. It was an attack on immigrants. And um, as if Don Cherry had said, no immigrants wear poppies. In response to this clip, there were all these immigrants saying i wear a poppy and i'm an immigrant you know blah yeah, blah blah. Course. like yeah. i'm an immigrant and i all these things about how great i am for the country um which is not at all what he said but still the hubbub on twitter was enough that sportsnet which i guess is the network that employed don cherry acted real fast like yeah. shockingly fast and released a statement saying he was a Next from the network. So he, he, I think, said that statement on the 9th of November, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in that region. And they, they actually got rid of him on the, the 11th. No, remember oh, I'm itself. sorry. I, I had said that he said this on Monday. He said it on the 9th. Okay. So he said it yeah, before it was, it was Maybe the 8th. It was, but they, they, within, a, within a few days, they had Yeah, it was, it was, it was really fast. Yeah. Um, and so, like, this is when I kind of saw that Don Cherry was trending on Twitter. And I feel like if you see a, an individual's name trending on Twitter, it either means that they've died, especially when there's someone Don Cherry's age. Actually, when I said Don Cherry was trending, the first thing you asked me was, is he dead? Um, it's either <laughs> yeah, they've died, it's, it's their birthday, or they've they've been canceled. Usually now, I feel like when someone is trending, they have been canceled. Yeah. Um, this was the case with Don Cherry. We have the 
the statement that Sportsnet put out. Um, Sports brings people together. It unites us, not divides us. Following further discussions with Don Cherry after Saturday night's broadcast, it has been decided it is the right time for him to immediately step down. During the broadcast, he made divisive remarks that do not represent our values or what we stand for. They went on to say, Don is synonymous with hockey and has played an integral role in growing that game growing the game over the past 40 years. We would like to thank Don for his contributions to hockey and sports broadcasting in Canada. And if you want to know how petty some people were, some people were actually uh, mad that they included that second paragraph saying nice things about him. Like someone had like crossed out the second paragraph and said, there you go, fixed it for you. Because it's not enough to fire him. You Mm. also cannot say anything positive about him at all. Of course. And I I will also... The only benefit of a doubt I'll allow Sportsnet is that Don is 85 and he is famous for saying some rather belligerent things. Um, he's great, but everybody loves it. Like, you know, and he apologizes the next week or whatever it is. And it is what it is, you know, but he he does have his moments where he says things that are just a little bit, a little bit uh, abrasive by today's standards. But, it, you know, it's by no means, in my opinion, un, like over the top yeah. offensive. Like there's way worse than like he doesn't drop racial slurs or anything like that you know he's just he'll just say things like he said essentially yeah know? and like i like i said i don't even necessarily agree with the way he he worded things or views things but yeah. to say that it's racist divisive xenophobic that's a whole other level that it's right. like whoa how, how did we jump from like zero to a hundred so quickly well he, he actually well first of all he appeared on Tucker carlson show and he uh, he did say, yeah, I probably should have worded it a little bit better because he hey, did he did you're say stepping on our inserts that we have coming okay. up. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right, all right, fine. But first, um, so someone th- there was a lot of just garbage and really uncharitable things being said about Don Cherry in response to that Sportsnet statement. But when so- something someone tweeted out that actually kind of summarize how I feel, is by this person, Brandon Smiley. He said, fire him on Remembrance Day when he's done more on national television to support the Canadian military and first responders than anyone is quite classless. I disagreed a lot with Don, but this right here is classless. And I think that's, that is true. Like he was to do it on Remembrance Day after he was kind of arguing for people to take it more seriously. That's yeah, well, at the I, very least, no tech. It, it is a little bit weird. At the same time, he's not a veteran, so you don't want to give him some kind of no. privilege status but he i mean he's gone like he's probably done more for the canadian armed forces than just about anybody like he'll i, I believe he's even flown overseas and been in combat zones um that you know paid for hockey rinks overseas and, and hockey equipment for the soldiers yeah but like, like that's what i'm saying like, is the message that he went too f- far in saying because uh, his message was ultimately everybody wear the poppy show your gratitude right, right? i disagree that that's the the only way or best way to show the gratitude but still mm-hmm. I, you can't say that it's I mean, and especially to, to fire him on Remembrance Day, it just, it's very, very strange. Like, it's yeah. not love an immigrant day, right? Like, why mm. why are we putting those concerns first? Um, but like you said, he, in kind of subsequent interviews, has not like really not apologized, which I think is good because I don't think he really said anything wrong. Um, we have an article about it here. Um, Global News reports, Don Cherry says he won't apologize for his divisive comments about new immigrants not wearing poppies, but the former co-host of Coach's Corner said if he could do it again, he would have chosen different words, which I, which I think is fair, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, he was just saying that, like, the saying you people, and uh, like, was too much. But again, you, like, he actually used that you people term all the time. Yeah. Like, like literally all the time and not in, der- like, 
when actually trying to solicit help from people, like it's just you people, you folks, you know, it's just synonymous with the way he talks, I guess. Yeah, it's not always targeting a specific racial group. And that's actually what he says. Right. Um, in, an, in an interview with Global News, Cherry refused to back down from his comments and said that everyone should wear a poppy to honor Canada's fallen soldiers. I do believe to this day that everybody in Canada should have a poppy on out of honor and respect of the fallen soldiers that have fallen in the Second World War, Korea and the, Korea and the whole deal. Those people who gave their lives, at least we can buy a poppy. Pressed on whether his comments were racist, Cherry said his comments weren't directed at minorities and that what he said applies to anyone. It could have been Irish, it could have been Scottish, it could have been anybody, he said, adding that the silent majority supported him. Cherry said he was planning to apologize on this week's upcoming hockey night in Canada, but was never given the chance. I was ready to apologize, apologize, Cherry said. I was going to put out a tweet or whatever they do saying I was wrong and I think it could have smoothed over pretty well. Seems like he was really uh, really feeling that apology. Yeah. Uh, he says, but that's the way they wanted it and that's the way it goes. Global News contacted Sportsnet about whether Cherry would have apologized, uh, but they said they had nothing further to add. So that's, I guess, the way it goes. Um, very disappointing. I'm actually pretty, pretty disgusted that this is happening in Canada over such a such a small thing. I, I'm very disillusioned right now with the state of Canadian politics and culture. Um, but, you know, on the lighter side of things, we have this tweet from a Russian, I think, hockey team. They yeah. said, hey, Don Cherry, we heard that you were fired. It's not good. I kind of want to read this in a Russian accent. I'm not going to try it, though. Do it. No. Come to Russia. We need analysts for Dynamo TV who could talk whatever he thinks. We love our... We love old soldiers and we will make nice suit. We hope you agree. See, it wasn't good. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm sure so. they enjoyed that. Um, but it's funny because Don Cherry, like this is how, this is a Canadian this man is, right? He is like the most high tier Canadian patriot possible that when his, I think it was the OHL team, like the OHL is the Ontario Hockey League. When they opened up their draft to allow European players in the league, he refused any European players. He wouldn't draft them for years. He was His team was losing left, right, and center. And then eventually, finally, when he probably was going to lose his job, he was like, okay, fine, we'll start drafting European players. Mm -hmm. Like, this guy is just, it's all about and the And apparently, Canadian like, wars. he doesn't even like French Canadians or something. Uh, like, he's, he just doesn't like anybody that's, you know, he's like, a, he's a Commonwealth Canadian. He's yeah, just, but uh, I think that's you know? funny that that's all okay. But right. when he talks about the immigrants, like, you can trash talk the Europeans, the Quebecers, whatever, but don't you dare talk about the new Canadians. That's yeah. off limit, Don Cherry. It's so, it's uh, it, this is sad. Um, I I think that the people who were complaining were were probably just woke Twitter outrage activists who are not representative of the average hockey fan. And it's like a lot oh, of people absolutely. are saying in response to this, they're going to boycott Sportsnet. Honestly, I cannot boycott Sportsnet because, like I said, I do not watch Sportsnet, mm. and I feel like. All of the people, or at least most of them who are outraged, are in the same boat. It's like, Absolutely. why are these companies catering to these Twitter activists who don't even buy their products? Well, that's one of the things that people were saying online. I saw a comment saying that, oh, all these right-wing commentators angry that Don Cherry got fired. Like, it's this is just capitalism at work, don't you know? And it's like, no, there's no overlap between the Canadian, the, the, the hockey uh, I guess consumers watching that show yeah. and, the and the people, people who care are mad yeah because yeah, it seemed to me like a suspicious amount of like millennial urban women <laughs> were upset by his tweet which yeah. I'm not saying they're not hockey fans but if we're going to talk about yeah. generalities usually not the core base of hockey fans um, okay so next segment this is one oh gosh I have so much to say about this and we don't have that much time it's frustrating we're going to be talking about capitalism bad apparently see you guys thought you were tuning in for just another show about like body positivity lgbtq stuff and then bam 
going to talk about economics for a little bit, but it, it'll be fun. I promise. So in Western countries, I've noticed a lot over the past few years, there's been a growing movement against capitalism and people will literally now unironically call themselves just full-fledged socialists or communists. You know, it's just like, yeah, I'm a communist. Um, capitalism is becoming more and more synonymous with things like greed and exploitation, which is worrying to me, not just because I do support capitalism, but because these people who are like so passionate about hating capitalism are often so uninformed about capitalism. Like the, why are those two things always like correlated? Passion and ignorance. Like it's, it's the darndest What's the percentage thing. of people that have an uh, econ uh, economics. economics degree? How, not like, not yeah. as high as it should be, but even like we should be like screw parallelograms. Yeah. We need to teach high school, screw dioramas. We need to teach high schoolers about economics because this matters. This affects everybody. Yeah. And like, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to sound condescending, um, but a lot of the anti-capitalist posts I see on social media are completely nonsensical. And I'm not saying that like everyone on the left or every single person who supports single-payer healthcare is stupid. That's not what I'm saying. But I, I am saying that if you're the kind of person who unironically believes that profit is theft, you don't know what you're talking about, okay? That's that's the nicest way I can put it. So I came across this video. See, I'm fired up about this. Ah, So I came across this video being shared and it really, it just exemplified everything I'm talking about here. Um, I don't know what's stronger here, the resentment or the ignorance. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a close call. Um, so we're gonna go through some of it together. Apologies for the sound quality. It's it's really grainy. Um, that's actually just how the video is. I don't know yeah. if that's they think you know they poor use audio quality. Cameras. Probably this is probably the the latest equipment they have access to. And actually, this guy was talking so fast, I had to slow it down just so it could be more understandable. Um, hopefully, you guys can understand it fine if you're not listening to us on an audio platform. There's subtitles. So uh, here we have a clip about growth bad, investment bad, labor is value. That it must expand. A no growth capitalism, as some of the more naive, uh, as some of our more naive ecologists have argued for, is a contradiction in terms. The reason you invest is to accumulate. And your accumulation of capital has no purpose or meaning unless you can mix it with labor to yet increase your wealth further. So that clip, literally only 20 seconds, yet I have so much to say. So, first off, Growth is good, contrary to what Marxists may believe. Growth means you've added value to either your economy, your own business, your personal wealth, like whatever it may be. Growth is not a negative thing. And here he's talking about it's like capitalism. It can't not grow. It's so bad. It's like, what well, that is one of the good things about capitalism. Right. Um, That's how you get out of poverty. Exactly. Cases, right? Exactly. It's not a bad thing. Um, second, he mentions investment as if it's like this bad, evil bourgeoisie thing. Um, the guy says the reason you invest is to accumulate. Yes. Okay. Again, he says this as if it's a bad thing, right? Because he's under the mindset that growth bad, investment bad, capital bad, anything that equates to richness and West, it's bad. All right. Here's the thing. Do you like being able to get a mortgage or would you, would you like it if you could only buy houses if you actually had all of the cash in hand. You like, you know, $400,000 in the bank, good to go. Would you like that to be the bar for owning a house? Probably not, right? Same with car loans. W would you like it if the only way you could get a car is if you have all of the money on hand? It, it, not the best system. Mm. Do you like being able to take out small business loans? 
Or do you want the only people who are able to start businesses to be extremely wealthy people? You know, small business, small business owners, I think they make up the majority of businesses in the United States. So that would be a problem. But uh, do, do you like being able to have a credit card that, that lets you buy stuff maybe that you, you can't afford right now, but you'll, you'll be able to pay back at some point? Okay, do you guys see where I'm going with this? If you answered yes to any of those things, then guess what? Investment has helped you personally, okay? People don't think about this at all, but anytime they borrow money from a bank or a lender, anyone like that, that's an investment someone else has made in you, okay? These socialists like to talk about investment as if it only benefits the investor, the great thing about capitalism is that two people can benefit, right? Yeah, it's not, not a zero-sum game. Not a zero-sum game. And yeah. they have trouble understanding that we've made investments. And guess what? It's it's not just for our benefit. The people we invested in, we're very happy about it, right? Of so course. both people can benefit. Um, and it also, it helps the people who, I guess, want to be investors someday. I think the way that these people look at the economy, it's static, right? There's the, the wealthy class and everyone else. Studies have shown that is not how the economy works, which is great because I think it should be mobile. Things like investment help people realize their potential. There's this picture of wealth that the left likes to paint, and this is what gets me so upset. I, I've been seeing this a lot on social media, especially in regard to the democratic debates, where if someone is rich, it essentially means they're, they're like that dragon in, in The Hobbit that's just like hoarding all this wealth. He's got like just... You know, smog. yeah, smog. He's millions of dollars, like in a vault. He's sitting on it, just like rolling around, rubbing it on his naked body. That's what millionaires do. Okay, that kind of attitude immediately, you know, someone ha has no experience with economics, uh, finance, or banking. Okay, so oh gosh, I need to. We don't have that much time, but what is wealth, right? What what is wealth? And I don't mean that in a philosophical way, but. When we say that Jeff Bezos is worth this many billion dollars, what does that mean? Contrary to what the Young Turks think, no, it's not that he has a billion dollars under his mattress that could, if he were less greedy, be paying for healthcare for some marginalized disabled migrants, all right? That's not actually how it works. Part of wealth is the value of your assets, which isn't liquid, so Jeff Bezos is worth a lot of money because he owns share in, shares in Amazon, which is valued at a very high price. Um, that's not liquid. So, you know, that's not sitting anywhere going to waste. We can leave that be. Uh, the other part of his wealth, again, it's not just sitting in a bank. We have this system called fractional reserve banking. The only way banks are able to give out mortgages, um, credit cards, things like that, is because of rich people who have money lying in the bank. All right, so all of that was a very long way to say, and you would be surprised how long I could stay on this topic, is that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's using a lot of buzzwords from the Communist Manifesto, which is he's great. Got some editing on that make him, yeah, makes it's him very seem dramatic. more authoritative, right? Yeah. But he's talking nonsense. The, the creepy music in the background as he talks about capitalism. Yeah, and also he mentions the labor theory of value, which is this like outdated way that Marxists view value they think the only way something has value is determined by the number of hours or labor someone has put into it as if yeah. the resource means nothing like the actual manufacturing process and machinery means nothing um that we know officially that that's not how that works anymore why people are still talking about it as if it's a valid theory as if it is the same as if someone were referring to flat earth theory just unironically it needs to stop anyway um there's, we have another clip, whole, whole new tangent coming up soon. 
Uh, if you ever saw the film Controlling Interest, there's a corporate president who says, those corporations that stayed regional in New England years ago and decided not to go national, we can't even remember their names. They died. We have to go national. And those of us who are now national know we have to go international. We have to invest abroad. So one of the laws of capitalist motion development is this inexorable expansion. And that means expansion into an expropriation of the third world. A process that's been going on for about 400 years. This is another thing that just gets me so mad. The, the idea that Western nations are exploiting third world countries by having operations there, um, buying resources from them, um, establishing manufacturing operations in them. He talks, this guy talks as if investing in foreign countries is bad. Foreign direct investment is literally one of the few things that has been proven to reduce poverty. Right. Charity. Yeah. We've seen studies about it. It actually is not good for long term growth. It makes people dependent. It's a crutch. It's not good for, um, you know, building up human capital, things like that. And we, we've seen that in a lot of the countries we continue to give humanitarian aid to. We're still giving humanitarian aid to them 20 years on, which is, I think, a pretty telling sign. And 20 or more. Yeah. Not like that is not working. Could be way more than that. Foreign direct investment, however, countries setting up. Yeah. And out of their own self-interest, setting up operations there. That, that's literally how China was lifted out of poverty, how, yeah. how Thailand has a growing middle class. It actually develops the infrastructure there. It builds up human capital. When these countries go in, they train these workers. It, it makes them more competitive on the world economy. So the fact that this champagne overprivileged socialist is bad-mouthing, literally the best chance that developing countries have at becoming developed countries, just because it goes against... His ideology that he probably learned from some ivory tower academic who, who's never owned a business in his life is just so maddening. And you'd be so surprised at how common this type of mentality is on college campuses. Well, it's so frustrating. I mean, hold up, Lauren. Isn't like developed country very Eurocentric that idea is, of how things should be? That right? is, yeah. I mean, I'd much rather die from malaria. Yeah, right. So. And I mean, to be clear, I'm not denying that like, in the past, Western nations have at gunpoint exploited other countries because, of course, that's true. Mercantilism yeah. was a thing. Sure. I grew up in a colony, so I like I know you don't need to tell me. But a hallmark of capitalism now is that exchanges are entered into voluntarily. So the fact that this guy hates the idea of like private ownership, doesn't like the idea of people deciding themselves what to do with their labor or assets, how you can paint that into I'm advocating for the little guy. No, no, you're not. You're advocating for your own brand of authoritarianism where you get to control everything. You mm -hmm. hope that you would get to control everything. You imagine yourself as the person who'd be making all the plans. Most likely, you'd be tilling a field. Anyway, final clip on this. But that expropriation of the third world that's been going on for 400 years brings us to another revelation. Namely, that the third world is not poor. You don't go to poor countries to make money. There are very few poor countries in this world. Most countries are rich. The Philippines are rich. Brazil is rich. Mexico is rich. Chile is rich. Only the people are poor. But there's billions to be made there to be carved out to be taken. There's been billions for 400 years. Hmm. 
this person frustrates me. I don't know how he thinks you can turn resources into richness, into actual like money without selling these resources to someone, which apparently he thinks is exploitation. You can't do that. Does he like who does he think is going to extract and use these resources? Like, is everyone just going to chip in, do their part because communism? I mean, because clearly, no, because that's not what happened even before Whitey's came. It's not like these people were just, you know, using all of these these resources because no. like, why? Why would you if you don't have the infrastructure to even be able to use this kind of thing? Long story short, I encourage you, if if you're frustrated about seeing all these arguments and you're wondering, like, are these people right? Does this make sense? Is capitalism this big evil? Thomas Sowell, Basic Economics, all right? It's, it's a hefty book, but it really lays the fundamentals out of how economies work. What, what is the free market? What is supply and demand? You can get it on Audible. Um, this, you know, this is, we're not sponsored by him. I just really want to encourage you guys as much as possible to read up on this stuff because we're seeing this more and more. And let us know if you would like more videos about economics. You know, we've done stuff about the minimum wage in the past people have liked, but I, I could talk about this for a while, as you can clearly tell. Yet we must move on. Yeah, she tried to make me listen to the audiobook with Thomas Sowell at one point. Yeah, we were on a road trip. I, I think it would like, be good for you. We because are not. What does that mean? What the heck? I'm just I've taken saying. A, like, no, I know, but it's like you no. once said that arbitrage is like not as useful as some other stuff. So I uh, oh, anyway, geez, listen. We don't need to go into that. Yes. So our final segment: LGBTQ in school. The issue of LGBT LGBTQ two S. I guess if you want to get technical. In education is one we've talked about a lot on this show. And I know some people may be wondering, why do you keep talking about it? Well, because it keeps happening. Um, I'll stop talking about this kind of stuff when it's no longer happening. And when school, once again, becomes a place where little kids learn about math and history instead of like far left concepts of gender and sexuality. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, as much as it does seem like we're beating a dead horse, it's also like, like I mentioned earlier, like this is going to just keep creeping into our schools. It's getting bigger and bigger. If we don't keep talking about it, if we don't get people, uh, you know, consistently pushing Concerned about it, keeping track of of what like kids are learning in school. Yeah. We, we, we really, we, we can't drop the ball on this stuff. So these are some clips that we're going to look at that were circulating around social media. It's, it's essentially everything you would fear your kids are learning about in school that these people are teaching children. These clips are taken from a YouTube channel called Shaftsbury Kids, um, which terrifyingly enough is targeted at children. Uh, there are episodes about consent, sexuality, um, gender, just essentially everything you would think, eh, a kid probably doesn't need to know about, they're trying to teach children about. Um, the specific footage we're about to look at has all been compiled along with commentary subtitles. So if you're watching this with video, that's what you're going to be seeing. Um, from the Twitter account, question LGBTEDU, which is trying to raise awareness about this kind of thing happening in school. So here we go. We have one of the first clips. Everyone born with a vulva is a girl. True or false? Or identifies as a girl. Not everybody is sure, and that makes sense. But our genitals actually don't determine our gender. So some people born with vulvas can be boys. Let's learn a little bit more about gender. We actually have an extra special visitor to sex ed school. I have been through the spectrum. If we were to say a spectrum of like boys and girls, uh, I have been everywhere in between. I was born a girl. And then when I was two years old, I told my mom for the first time that I was a boy. And 
Uh, I think that I framed it, I don't remember it, I've only been told stories, but I framed it because my brother's middle name was the same as my dad's. And so I insisted that my middle name was also the same as his. Uh, but back in the day, there was no talk shows and there was no internet, there was no resources. So she just ignored it. And then nothing happened for many, many years. And then it still took me a long time into my 20s before I decided to transition. But in there, I was a, you know, a tomboy, if that's what we say, or like I was sporty, I had short hair. And then I grew it out in high school because I felt like I should. And I felt like that's what people wanted me to be. So I don't know whose idea it was to bring in someone who is clearly confused about their gender to talk about gender. Yeah. I kind of see that akin to inviting someone with diagnosed paranoia over to talk to kids about whether people are actually coming to murder you, maybe it's possible, who knows, right? Like why, who, who says this was a good idea? This is someone who's actually, I, I think from the sounds of it, gone through several, oh, I don't know, maybe this, maybe that. Like why have we decided apparently that this is the person who, who can speak on this subject with authority? Is it because they've tried all the genders? Does that make them an expert on gender? I question how these decisions were made. Uh, I, I really do. And I, I want you guys to kind of notice that at first, maybe a few years ago, these people were all, gender is different than sex, obviously. Like, we're not saying that sex is a choice. Yeah, gender yeah. is different, that's social. Notice now how they no really longer make that distinction at all. No, it, they, it's they weird. Really don't. They, I don't. They seem confused too. Like the woman at the start when she asked the kids uh, like a question and they all had to raise their sticks, right? Yeah. She said, um, everyone who is born with a vagina is a girl. And then she said, or, or identifies as a girl. Yeah. And so like, like even you don't know. Those are two different things. Like yeah. very different things, right? So. Yeah. And I think like the proper terminology is assigned female at birth. So, which even they have trouble keeping yeah. track of because it is like this, this crazy newfangled list of terms that's ever expanding. Um, yeah. So like, you know, they're talking about like, oh, if you have a vagina, can you identify as a boy or girl? Like, so are we not, are we not even going to make that clarification of sex versus gender, which you guys swore you believed in mm. anymore? Because I feel like maybe we should or just no, not at all. Okay, that's fine. Um, also, this individual, I'm just as confused about their gender as they are apparently says oh i was born a girl but i was a tomboy now i'm a man is that the best message to be sending to children the idea that oh i'm a tomboy maybe i too am actually a, a man how many girls hearing that are gonna say well you know i don't like princesses or pink so maybe i should cut off my boobs you know and i don't mean to trivialize the surgery or anything but like, these are children. I don't think that's too much of a stretch to kind of get into how their thought process might be. Or also, he, they also say, oh, I, I wanted my dad's middle name, therefore, sex change? Like, what? Maybe the internal process they went through was, like, more nuanced than that. But the way they're at least explaining it to these kids, I I've got to say, is probably confusing as heck. I'm confused. I'm in my mid-20s. I think mid everybody in that circumstance, even the person talking. Yeah, like who, who even knows anymore? Yeah. Um, but wait, there's more wisdom to be shared from this God-forsaken show. Yeah. If you were a girl when, uh, like, you are little, how did you, like, change to become, like, a boy? Uh, uh, so in my 20s, um, for my personal journey, 
I started with hormones, which is what changed my voice a bit, and it um, changes your body a little bit. Yeah. Like, now that you have a bit of a beard. Yeah. So that is because I'm on testosterone. So, like, do you have male or female parts? Um, I'm sure a lot of people ask, or a lot of people are wondering that. Uh, for me personally, I have had top surgery, which means that uh, I had the technical term is a double mastectomy. So I did have my breasts removed. So I have scars here on my chest. And then I really only talk about kind of what's in my pants um, if people are getting in there. I, I just don't think this is suitable <laughs> listening for, for, for children. I mean, we're talking about going on hormones, getting surgery, like what's the message they're supposed to take away? And I do feel like the genital statement toward the end was that not was appropriate. wild. Like, yeah. Like that almost made me think like, I bet you a few of those kids are going to find out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I make no, I mean, but this is true. It's like none of this is child appropriate, but that especially is like, what are you doing? This is not like a family friendly sex ed class, like by any means. And I mean, can you blame the kids for being curious? Because I think that person was kind of like offended. Oh, you're asking me that. It's like, well, you're yeah. introducing a bunch of strange concepts to them. Of, of course, they're going to ask these questions and look. Regarding the whole like surgery, what are your parts thing? I don't mean to just pick on trans people here, but I don't, I also don't think you should have someone like Dolly Parton going in to an elementary school and talking about all of her surgeries, her elective surgeries that she's had. Yeah. I mean, I don't want a little girl to think like, oh, I don't have like F cup breasts. Maybe I need a boob job. Like, no, children are impressionable. And actually, like, I think that's why they're implementing these programs now with children is because they are impressionable. I, I think they're starting young so that these kids will think this is all normal, buy into it. And that way, when they're older, like, they won't have any political pushback to things like all gender restrooms, trans people in whatever sport they want, because they'll have grown up with it since they were little kids. And it's just going to be like, yeah, of course. So it's smart. I give them that. But yeah. Yep. Kind of evil. Um, and At least, yeah. Speaking of perhaps evil, we have a clip. They brought drag queens in oh, to yeah. talk about this. And yeah. it's like, I remember when the first drag queen story hour was a thing. We did a video about it, That's I think. Right. And there were so many people that were saying, oh, this is just one place. Like, come on, right. why are you... Don't make a big this deal. This is ridiculous this is. what most people thought, but there were some people that watched that said, this is a great idea. Mm -hmm. Let's let's replicate this everywhere. Well, and well, they've right? done that, right? Drag queens and kids have somehow in 2019 like become a thing. Like drag queen story hour is like all over the US and Canada now. Apparently, drag queens come to schools. Like, why? Anyway, we, we're going to show you another clip of two drag individuals. You can tell me whether you think it's a good idea or not to have them talk to, like, seven-year-olds. Hi, I'm uh, Facelift. I use the pronouns she and her, and I'm queer-identified. And I am Fluffy Souffle. I use they, them, because I'm a non-binary performer, and I also identify as queer. But what does queer mean to you? It means a lot to different people. Yeah, for me, it means limitless potential. It could be whatever it is that I feel or want to be. What are some other sexuality terms that people identify as? Asexual. Asexual, yeah. yeah. And that means that it's somebody that might have romantic interests, but they don't have sex, They generally. Any others? Gay. Gay, totally. Mm -hmm. Lesbian? Yes, mm -hmm. lesbian for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> ah. 
Nobody's mentioned straight. Nobody's mentioned straight. So for anyone who's listening on an audio platform, which by the way, you can find us Google Play, iTunes, Spotify. I'm going to do my best to describe the drag queens, but it's almost like I'm looking at like some Lovecraftian beast where it's like it just defies explanation. Like the geometry is all wrong. Yeah, it's just it. these are two fairly hairy looking men. Fully uh, bearded. Full, fully bearded right. in drag makeup. Um, no concern given to color coordination, by the way, but that's like its own thing. Uh, you know, wigs, just drag to me is kind of like burlesque. If, if you're into it, that's your deal, right. your thing. Why bring kids into it? Why? Yeah. That'd be like, you know, I, I've used this example before. I like Game of Thrones. I do not think children should be watching Game of Thrones because like that's, that's not suitable. And I'm able to make that distinction. Right. Just because you like something doesn't mean it's okay for kids. I feel like that logic applies to this entire conversation about LGBTQ stuff in elementary education. It's like, Maybe it is your thing. You're super into it. Why, why bring the kids into it? And by the way, like even if you you are like, yeah, let's have drag queens. Like, who decided that drag queens were the best people to talk about kids and sexuality? Like, yeah. what parent was like, you know what? I I don't want to get into this with my child. I feel like that'd be awkward, sweetie. Here are two men in their forties, dressed like women. They're going to explain sexuality to you because they clearly have a really firm handle on it. Well, that's the thing is, I think when I saw that person, I immediately think, which I think any healthy person should see when they see this person is, okay, that's someone that's mentally ill. Honestly, that's what I, that's what that is. That's a mental illness. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. And and so not only is it a mental illness, but we're having them speak to children and and influence children. So I think that's abusive to the children, but also to the person who has the mental illness. That I think we're we're saying this is great. You know, uh, um, this is awesome, and we're not helping them at all, I don't think. And it's funny because – it's not funny. It's concerning because drag queens are kind of in and of themselves a paradox when it comes to this trans ideology. This is a man who dresses feminine and acts feminine. Is he not a trans female? Because drag queens, almost by definition, are – they should identify as – wait, but they use female pronoun. I don't even know anymore. But they're not trans women, right? Drag queens are not trans women. So then, like, what is the distinguishing – distinguishing factor there i don't know i don't think these people know the, the kids sure as heck don't they don't know and like the thing about like them discussing specifically sexuality why like it's it, it's one thing to say they're gonna redo a random story and i think you'll enjoy the bright colors that i disagree but it's a whole other level to say this person is going to talk to you about sexuality um at least the drag kids did, or drag queens did mention being straight, though. Because that was up in the air, I think, for a little bit, whether or not it would come up. At least they mentioned it. Concerning that the children didn't, you can tell this probably isn't their first drag queen story hour. The fact that they mentioned all these other ones first before being straight. I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm very, very concerned. Um, You know, there's, like I said... An entire channel of this. Not, not every channel is about this, but there's a lot of videos about this. These aren't the only drag queens who are trying to teach kids about sexuality. And just like parents, please pay attention to what your children are learning. If you can't yeah. homeschool, which I will, I can't imagine. Like, I'm so scared about the education systems in North America. Like, I, I was looking up Poland. I don't want to move to Poland. Okay, I don't like pierogies. I'm, I'm sure... Pierogies are terrific. I don't like potatoes. I love so. pierogies. I, I mean, I'm, no offense to Polish people, but it's like, 
I don't want to have to move from where I've grown up and I'm comfortable, but I'm I'm yeah, that scared that. that like I don't know what to do. And it's it's terrifying. So I think we just anytime you see something like this, we need to speak up. We can't just kind of like, oh, I'm too tired of talking about it, so I'll just let it slide. No, if you're if you're not standing up for this, you are part of the problem. I, I usually don't like to make hard lines in the sand like that, but when it comes to kids, like, yeah, I'll make them. So I, I think that's all the time we have for today. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're a live viewer, be sure to stay on this stream because we'll be back in just a few seconds going through all of the super chats. And I think that's pretty much all we have to say. And we will see you next week.